Hi, this is Eric. I just wanted to give a quick housekeeping update. The What Matters Most podcast, which has been weekly since roughly the beginning of the pandemic, uh, is is now taking a shift. So we're going to make a little bit of a change starting with the next episode. So we have an episode today and starting with the next episode, we're going to be every other week at this point. So we're probably going to be shifting around a little bit with our schedule. And uh, so you may, uh, if you stay subscribed uh, on whatever podcast platform you use, you'll continue to get the episodes as they are released. Uh, If you just simply check the website, I would encourage you to subscribe. So find the podcast on your, your podcast app of choice and just click that follow button or subscribe button, whatever it says. And uh, that'll make sure that you are informed of the latest episodes. But until then, we will continue to release episodes on Thursdays, uh, Thursday mornings. Uh, we'll just not be every Thursday morning at this point. So starting next uh, next episode after this episode will be on the 26th. And beyond that, it'll be roughly every other week or so. Uh, so thank you and enjoy this economic update episode. Welcome to the What Matters Most podcast, presented by First United Bank and Trust. That's my bank. Visit us today at mybank.com. Hello and welcome to What Matters Most, a podcast all about finances, community, savings, and security for you, your family, and your business. This podcast is brought to you by the helpful folks at my bank, First United Bank and Trust. I'm your host, Eric Nutter, and in today's episode, What Matters Most is our monthly economic update. And for this helpful discussion, I am thankful to be joined once again remotely today by Megan Kinsinger, Portfolio Manager in in First United's Wealth Management Department. Good morning, Megan. How are you? Great, Eric. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. So uh, thank you for joining me, as always. And it's time again. We've made it to August and it's time for uh, a little bit of a market update. You got, you got something I for know. us? I have plenty for you. Yeah. It just flies by, doesn't it? It does. <laughs> um, yeah. 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 So we'll kind of, um, if you want, I can, I can start with the positives that we're currently viewing in the economy and in within markets um, as they currently outweigh the negatives. Um, so let's, let's start there. Okay. Sounds good. All right. So, um, one of the one of the main things that we that our team looks at is um, job openings, um, unemployment, all that other good stuff. And um, happy to report that the U.S. did add 943,000 jobs in July, which is the the largest gain we've seen in in nearly a year. Nice. And that actually helped. Um, yeah, it helped tick unemployment rate down to 5.4 percent. Um, and, and something we're really excited about is the labor participant participation rate in shop. So that's people that are actively participating in the labor market. Um, so this is really led by leisure and hospitality, you know, those hard hit um, sectors that um, due to the coronavirus pandemic. So we, we saw um, some recovery there, local government, education, and professional and business services. They all had pretty big gains um, for jobs in, in July. And, and as I had mentioned, what was more encouraging is the percentage of people either working or looking for work. Um, it rose to 61.7% in July. Um, and, and really, this number has been super depressed since last summer, um, with millions of 
previously employed Americans still missing from the workplace. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, so many economists predict that, you know, here in the near future, people, more people will rejoin the labor force in the, in the fall after schools reopen and some of those extra federal benefits that were put in place during COVID uh, are set to expire. And the lack of labor is partly holding back an otherwise robust U.S. economic recovery. As I'm sure you've read in the news, it's been spectacular. Right. <laughs> That's what <Yeah>. they say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, kind of continuing with those jobs, um, the job openings, we, we continue to see um, job openings within the U.S. rise, uh, rose to another record high in June. This is the measure of labor demand. Um Sorry, the measure of labor demand shot up by 590,000 to 10.1 million, according to the Labor Department. Something that has remained near a record high is the quits rate. Um, 3.9 people, million people voluntarily have quit their jobs in June. And this is really in order to make better or, um, you know, that higher paying position, which is really a sign of a healthy labor market. So very encouraging uh, numbers there. Something else we, we like to look at when we're evaluating the economy and, and you know, how, how the recovery is going here, um, we, we follow the ISM, the Institute for Supply Management, Manufacturing and Service Indices, um, both of which maintained in expans- expansion territory for the month of July and both continue to report exceptional growth levels um, despite a little cooling off, which we'll touch on here a little bit further. Uh, so first, looking at the smaller side of the economy, the manufacturing side, it did fall to 59.5% in July. And I just want to note, I know I've, I've said it before, but just to reiterate, anything above 50% is um, considered to be within growth territory. Anything over 60% is considered exceptional growth. So so right on the teetering on the line of exceptional growth, um, still pretty high. Um, it was the lowest reading since January, um, but but all remains above 55%. Um, and 17 of the 18 manufacturing industries reported growth in July. So the, so what we continue to see and, and what has been the theme here during this recovery is that manufacturers have plenty of business due to the resurgent economy, but they can't really meet that ex- explosion that we've witnessed in pent-up demand um, owing to persistent shortages tied to the pandemic. Uh, We do expect that these shortages will clear up over time, but it it may take a a little bit. And the result is likely to be higher prices, aka inflation, and somewhat slower economic recovery. Now jumping over to the the larger side of our economy, the service side, um, it reached a new record high of um, 64.1% in July. Nice. Yeah, fantastic. Um, We saw production, new orders, new export orders, and backlog of orders all uh, report above that exceptional growth level. And um, of the respondents that are interviewed, um, they, they continue to indicate an increasing demand and activity returning to above pre-COVID levels, but that supply chain disruptions and staffing issues do continue to constrain growth, um, though some note that these disruptions are starting to abate. So similar to the manufacturing side, you know, it's a lot of um, staffing issues and supply chain disruption. Um, so 
expanding on the service side, companies that provide services such as dining, accommodations, entertainment, and, and leisure that really were hard impacted last year, they finally saw a sense of normalcy in the spring and early summer as we as the vaccines were rolling out and coronavirus case, cases shrank. Um, and again, these are the businesses that suffered greatly during the pandemic. Right. And um, yeah, so so something we continue to, to look at is obviously the coronavirus. Um, we have all those new Delta cases that are um, causing fresh strain fresh strains on businesses. Um, governments are reinstituting new mask requirements, and some businesses are requiring um, to check customers' vaccination cards. Hmm. Um, on the other side of that, the good news is that um, we view this virus as not as dangerous given the millions of vaccinated Americans and companies have learned how to cope with the pandemic, right? We've had a year and a half for really, really for businesses to kind of adapt to this abrupt um, change. Uh, and, and, you know, fortunately, uh, significantly more people are, are vaccinated at this point in time. Right. Yeah, we're really resilient. Mm-hmm. What the, the more, the longer we have to deal with something, the more we learn to live with it and how exactly. to work around it. Yeah. Yep. And unfortunately, technology has has certainly aided um, with, you know, helping companies ad- adapt to that abrupt, sh- abrupt shift. Um, so, so we, we looked at, we look as it, at it as if we're in a better position to kind of address it than we were last spring. Right. It's amazing how the one thing, like everything, it's just the dominoes of, of all of it kind of shifting around. You have that, that inflated quits rate because people worked differently. And so now they're mm-hmm. looking, they're thinking differently and they're, they're moving exactly. on to different uh, roles. And then all these people out of the workforce causing a slow, yeah. slow down in, in orders and delays in things. Yeah. And then that's all starting to kind of slowly come back to, to some, some version of normal right now. So it's, it's pretty wild to see it all kind of change and then kind of start to kind of work itself out. Yeah. Like you said, just like a domino effect. Yeah, it's uh, pretty interesting to to see that and um, how the recovery has has really played out so far. So, um, kind of to to wrap up the the positives here for the for the economy. Um, the second quarter GDP growth did come in slightly below that six point five percent. Speaking of of economic recovery, but the report largely signaled growth should be pushed um, to the second half of the year. So. You know, we can talk about this further, you know, in September, October, as we're getting those second half of the year numbers. Um, personal consumption grew 11.8%, which is the largest gain since 1952. Um, so, yeah. Um, and uh, so some good things to watch there. Hopefully um, continue to, to push this this growth out into the second half of this year. Um, moving over to what we're watching on the negative side. Um, kind of similar story that we've we've been discussing for the majority of this year. Um, again, COVID really remains at the top of the minds of everyone. Um, it remains the most important driver of economic growth throughout this year. And, and circling back to that Delta variant, it's become the main variant of concern as it continues to rapidly spread. And the experience thus far has been similar in, within the U.S., it's been similar to the U.K., with cases rising quickly, but hospitalizations not rising to the same degree. Hmm. Vaccine rates have also seen a spike over the last couple of weeks, which is a positive trend to see. 
Um, and our base case does remain that the vaccine will be effective and will allow for, for some accelerated economic growth throughout the remainder of this year. Um, uh, something negative we've been be, been watching within the jobs market are jobless claims. Um, initial jobless claims they did fall um, by fourteen thousand to three hundred eighty-five thousand um, in the week ended July thirty-first, um, according to the Department of Labor. Uh, the four-week moving average, which is a more dependable num number than that weekly. Um, number was 394,000, which is a decrease of 250 from the prior week. Um, the number of people applying for benefits has fallen by more than half since the very beginning of this year in January, um, but new unemployment claims are still almost twice as high as they were pre-pandemic. Um, again, you know, the economy has been making a really strong recovery. Um, this emergence of the Delta strain um, could potentially hinder that recovery, but it's still really too early to tell um, if the variant will put the brakes on U.S. growth. Um, the labor market is still missing millions of people who are working before the pandemic, which has really left those businesses scrambling to fill a record number of job openings. Um, people are returning to the workforce, but not fast enough to ease the labor shortage that, that we've been experiencing. Um, to, to wrap up the negative side, we'll uh, touch on inflation. I know that's something we've also been discussing here the majority of this year. Um, it does remain a topic of concern with the PCE, the CPI, and the PPI. These are all inflation numbers. Mm -hmm. um, all seeing their highest levels year to date um, at their readings in June. And despite a string of elevated inflation readings, inflation expectations have generally fallen over the last few months. Um, as many commodities are off their peaks and supply, strain, supply chain constraints have begun to moderate. Um, so we as consumer, consumers may experience some higher prices in specific categories, particularly travel and used car purchases, um, but not in ways we expect to be broad-based or sustained. Um, businesses are facing persistently elevated costs of labor and materials, um, which increase the upside risk to to final prices, which, you know, of course, can either be eaten by the, the company or can be passed along to the to the consumer. So. So, yeah, that wraps up our uh, our positives and negatives. Do you have any questions regarding those? No, I think um, it sounds like things are. I mean, it, you sound very positive about all of it. So that's a, that's a good thing. Um, it seems <laughs> yeah. like things are trending in the right direction. We've got, um, we've still got some work to do and hopefully, um, uh, more, the, the more that we can get COVID and that nonsense behind us, the, the sooner we'll get back to something of normalcy. So, uh, Megan, yeah, what, I mean, I, Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, you know, if you, if you listen to our conversation that we, we had this time last year and compare it to, to the current, um, you know, current status of the economic recovery. Um, we're in a completely different place. So yeah, it's a so marked posi difference positive sure. trend. Yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. So, well, wrapping up, Megan, what are the conclusions that you have for, for the market right now? What, what should people be thinking about? Yeah, sure. So really to conclude um, kind of how we've been positioning ourselves within portfolios and, and what we've what we've seen um, on, the, on the equity side, 
of, of our portfolios. You know, growth stocks have certainly remained in the rotational turns favor through, throughout July, and stocks overall have moved moved higher. Um, on the other hand, long-term interest rates have moved lower. Exiting July, the S&P 500 has banked a near 18% gain so far for 2021, which is amazing. Um, and when stocks are doing this well this far along in the year, they tend to finish with better than average upside. Um, that being said, something we do watch here as we shift over into fall, August, September does typically tend to be the most volatile time of the year. Um, and we are we we have yet to see a five to ten percent pullback that the market market averages in each year. Moving over to the the fixed income side of our portfolios, um, the Federal Open Market Committee has maintained its benchmark interest rate near zero following its July meeting, which was to be expected. Um, investors were waiting to see if there were any changes in the Fed stance or even nuances in current accommodative policy. And unlike June, um, when the Fed seemed to be mulling a potential downshift in quantitative easing, the July session did not give us much to really chew on. And it, um, Chairman Powell did say that, that the Fed is not close to considering a rate hike at this point in time and that they want to see substantial further progress on those employment numbers and, um, you know, continue to watch inflation as well before they begin to tighten policy. Um, rates have begun to perk up recently following their surprise move lower. However, again, as we look at that fixed income side of the portfolio, we do expect rates to grind higher throughout the remainder of the year um, as that infrastructure spending is likely to be approved soon and um, Fed bond purchase tapering will begin, begin, we anticipate, near the end of the year. Nice. Any, any final thoughts? No, I mean, unless you have any questions, that's really, um, you know, going over the positives and negatives and, and, and what's been going on within the market um, and really how that's positioned us where we're currently at um, within our clients' portfolios. Um, that's, that's all I have for you today, Eric. Excellent. Do you have any questions? I do not, but Megan, Thank you so much, as always, for, for joining, giving us such helpful insights. Um, is If any one of our listeners have questions or want to learn more, what's the best way they can get the support they need? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Um, go to www.mybank.com. Click on the Wealth tab. You can locate an account officer near you. Give us a call or send us an email. We'll be happy happy to get you in the right direction and, and help you in all your financial needs. Excellent. Megan Kinsinger, Portfolio Manager in First United's Wealth Management Department. Thanks again. I really appreciate you. Thank you, Eric. Well, that brings us to the end of our show. You can always find more episodes by visiting mybank.com slash podcast or find us on your favorite podcast app. You can also leave feedback, ask questions, or request a topic for us to discuss by sending an email to podcast at mybank.com. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back next time with more helpful content. But until then, we wish you the best in focusing on what matters most to you. First United, my bank for life. This document is a general communication being provided for informational purposes only. It is educational in nature 
and not designed to be taken as advice or a recommendation for any specific investment product, strategy, plan, feature, or other purpose in any jurisdiction, nor is it a commitment from First United Bank and Trust or any of its subsidiaries to participate in any of the transactions mentioned herein. Any examples are generic, hypothetical, and for illustration purposes only. This material does not contain sufficient information to support an investment decision and should not be relied upon in evaluating the merits of investing in any securities or products. In addition, users should make independent assessment of the legal, regulatory, credit, and accounting implications and determine together with their own professional advisors if any investment mentioned herein is believed to be suitable to their personal goals. Investors should ensure that they obtain all available relevant information before making any investment. Any forecasts, figures, opinions, or investment techniques and strategies set out are for information purposes only based on certain assumptions and current market conditions and are subject to change without prior notice. All information presented herein is considered to be accurate at the time of production, but no warranty of accuracy is given and no liability in respect of any error or omission is accepted. It should be noted that investment involves risks. The value of investments and the income from them may fluctuate in accordance with market conditions and taxation agreements, and investors may not get back the full amount invested. Both past performance and yields are not reliable indicators of current and future results.